morning and welcome everybody who's a part of our church online experience. So glad that you're here with us today. What a great Father's Day it is. And today we're just all about celebrating our dads and, and we're so thankful for dads. You know, there's so much negative talk about dads in our culture today. And I got to admit, there's a lot of reason for it because there have been some dads that just really haven't gotten it done. And, and we live in a culture where a lot of dads are separate from their families. And, and I'm sad about that and I'm praying about that. But I want to say today, happy Father's Day to you dads that are getting it right. There are so many dads that are getting it right and raising their kids in the house of God, loving their kids and being there and being with their families and so thankful for you and so thankful for your 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 commitment to really make a difference in the lives of of your family and of your culture and your community and and so we celebrate you today we celebrate you today and we're so glad and thankful for you and i just want to say a prayer for you if i could before we get started father i just pray for all of those dads out there god Lord, every one of us that are fathers, we haven't, we haven't always gotten it right and we're not perfect by any means. But Lord, I thank you for men who will lead their families. I thank you for men who will love their children. I thank you for men who will teach and train and coach and love and lead. And I thank you, Heavenly Father. And I ask you to empower every one of us dads and every potential dad out there, God. We just ask that you'll empower us by the Holy Spirit to lead our families in the priority of a relationship with you. Help us to lead, be the spiritual leaders to our families, to our kids, for our to our spouses, that, Lord, that we will not... Uh, uh, equivocate. We will not uh, be a person who steps back from or is passive about our spirituality, but we'll stand on the front lines of this spiritual battle and we will fight for our families and we'll fight for the future and we'll love and, and, and teach and train. And Lord, I just pray that you empower dads and Lord, let them have a feeling not of discouragement today, but Lord, let them be encouraged and let them be strengthened and let them be made whole today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So so thankful for you dads. And, and uh, today we're going to continue our series. But before we do, I just want to welcome everybody who's a part of Church Online. And if you're new with us at Church Online, we are so excited that you're here. Make yourself at home. Know this, that here at Summit Church, we're all about relationship, about connection, about getting to know each other. So here's what I want you to do. You can see on your screen how to connect with us. And we have a pastor or leader just waiting to connect with you and build relationship and let you know more about Summit and how you can get further connected. So please don't just sit back and be an observer but be a participator. We consider you a part of Summit Church. And so we want you to definitely do that. This is your church and we want to bless you and we want to pastor you, we want to lead you. So help us serve you by taking a moment and giving us the information that we need so that we can bless you and minister to you and serve you in that way. Thank you so much again for being a part of this worship experience this morning. And I know God has already blessed you and I know he's going to continue to bless you. I've got a great word for you today. We're continuing our series in Nehemiah. It's our summer series and we're just going through the whole book of Nehemiah and it is such an interesting and powerful uh, uh, a story and an account and I'm just going to tell you, be honest with you man, the reason I wanted to study this, this, this summer was not just because of all the leadership lessons that you can learn and all the spiritual lessons you can learn, but I wanted to go through Nehemiah because I believe it relates directly to where we are today. You know, in our culture today, we are, we are struggling. 
And in our society today, we are struggling. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of lawlessness. There's a lot of infighting and division. There's a lot, a lot, a lack of harmony and a lack of love. And there's, there's a lot of idealism without any substance. And, 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 you know, I think some people are getting lost in the mix. And so what we wanted to do is just like Nehemiah looked at the broken down situation of his people and his time and his city, uh, we wanted to take an opportunity to look at and admit we are living in a broken down culture. The walls of our values have been broken down. The, the, the uh, ideas and the, the, the convictions that we have as believers are like the gates that have been burnt. It's, it, we just have to admit that's where we are. And so the whole concept of Nehemiah is this idea of repenting, rebuilding, restoring. And so as we speak and teach every one of these messages, the context is in the middle of that. Repent, rebuild, restore. And today I want to talk to you in particular, and especially because it's Father's Day, I want to talk to you around the subject consistently intentional around the idea of being consistently intentional. So let's take our text. It's Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8 today. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8 today. And, and I'm going to continue some of the things we talked about last week, but move on from there. But, but, I, but I want us to just look at the first part of chapter 2. We're going to continue just looking at the first part of chapter 2 because there are some things we can take from there that are really going to help us, really going to help us grow. So let's read the text, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8. I'm reading from the New International Version. And everybody read. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Well, obviously, let's read that last part again. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that today you will make us consistently intentional. That God, we will not be people who, who are easily moved. That God, we will be people who are not wavering in our ideals. That we aren't like the person who is asking but not believing that we won't be like the person who's moved by the winds of ideologies and theologies but heavenly father we will stick with your word and we will be consistently intentional about living out your purpose in jesus name and everybody said amen you know i love that last passage of scripture that says and because the gracious hand of my god was on me the king granted my request and the question is posed to us all of us as 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 believers, how, how does that happen? How does that, how is that accomplished? Nehemiah was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was just a very influential man in a secular position, but God used him more than anyone else at that time to do something significant. And, uh, it says, because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So he wasn't saying the king granted my request because I'm so awesome. He wasn't saying the king granted my request because I'm so smart or intelligent or my gifts are great and better than everyone else or whatever the case may be. But he literally 
um, is saying and giving acknowledgement to the fact that the reason the king is allowing him to do what he needed to do was because the gracious hand of God was on him. But how do we get to that point? How do we get to the point in our life where when we move out and take steps of action, the gracious hand of God is upon me. I've got news for you. In my in, in my ministry and in my company, I want the gracious hand of God to be on that. I want to know that God is blessing what I'm doing. I want to know that God is being gracious in every aspect of life. If you have a business, if you are going to school, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're pursuing a career, if you're a family person, whatever the case may be, isn't it awesome to think that things could be powerful in your life simply because the gracious hand of your God is upon you? But I've got news for you. There's a lot of believers out there that aren't necessarily living that life where the gracious hand of God is upon them. Because there are some conditions to the gracious hand of God being upon you. Now, I've got to tell you, that has nothing to do with salvation because you're not earning salvation. Grace was given to us from God as a free gift, and it's that unmerited favor. In other words, God gives you favor even though you didn't earn it, but that in and of itself is for salvation. It is not for the rest of your life growing and developing. And so there are some conditional components to living for God and seeing the best of what God wants for your life to come out in your life. Now, people may argue that that is not true, but then they're going to have to argue with the Bible and not me because all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament, the Bible is very clear that there are provisional conditions that create an environment in which we can be favored and blessed in the process of our life. And the, the reason I believe with all of my heart that Nehemiah experienced this gracious hand of his God upon him and gave him favor was simply because he was obedient. It's because he saw this as an opportunity to use the influence that he had to advance the kingdom of God. He wasn't just about himself. He wasn't just about fulfilling his career or making sure his family was okay or taking care of, of, of business. But he understood that his business was just a platform for the purpose of God. He understood that his career was just a platform for the purpose of God. He understood his leadership was a platform for the purpose of God. He got it. And because he got it, when the opportunity to do something about a bad situation came to him, God gave him the opportunity to do something about it. And so when he consistently obeyed God and he was consistently intentional about the way he lived, what happened was God's hand of grace was upon not only him, but on what he did. So when he asked something that would be very strange for King Artaxerxes to give him, he got it. Why? Not because of him, but because of God's gracious hand. And God's gracious hand comes upon us when we are consistently obedient, consistently intentional, and gives us the favor we need to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. But that's the key, isn't it? That's the key. Accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. You know, the quicker as believers that we come to that place where we understand what God wants for us is far better than what we want for ourselves. The, the faster that we come to that place where we stop that wrestling match between which way we're going to do it, our way or God's way, 
Why do we continue to have this fight? Why do we internally go through this process? Because we all have been there. If you're a believer, for any amount of time, you've been there where you've tried it your way and you've tried it God's way. And we all know that God's way is the best way. Why? Because God is God and we are not. God created us. God put us together. God knows how he created us and he knows what's best for us. You know, we need to understand that when God views us, he's not viewing us as these grown adult children. God views us as his children that are submissive to him in his house. Like, you know what's best for your kids because you have the experience of knowing how the world works and you've gone before your kids. So sometimes your kids will try to do something or want to do something and you know in your heart that's a dangerous situation. That is not something my kids should be involved in. So you say no. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, your kids don't like to hear the word no. And far too many parents don't even know the word no anymore. But they, they, they don't want to hear it. They're uncomfortable with it. And sometimes, for some reason, we feel as parents that it's our job not to guide our children or direct our children or tell them, give them parameters. But we have turned into two very specific things. One, uh, uh, activities coordinator that just lets them do everything they want to do and, and we keep it organized. And two, an entertainer. Somehow we've begun to believe that our job as parents is to keep our kids entertained. Well, let me just tell you something that's not turning out well. I can tell you God doesn't think that way. God is not your entertainment and God is not your coordinator of events. God has a purpose and a plan for your life for which he created you. He didn't create you then give you a plan or purpose. When God created you in your mother's womb, he already had a purpose and a plan in mind. That's why you're here because he already had a purpose for you being here. So it's time for you just to grab a hold of that and understand that and stop wrestling with the fact that you want to do it your way instead of God's way. I can promise you from experience that God's way is always better. It's always going to be better and just make the decision to go his way. I'm telling you, your life will be positively impacted in ways that are so good. God's not trying to steal your fun. God's not trying to take excitement out of your life. I'm going to tell you, I didn't really live an adventurous life till I really started following God. Till I, till I started getting to the place where God's opinion was more important to me than man's opinion. When I began to obey God, even when it was uncomfortable and other people didn't like it. When I went places, did things, challenged things that other people said, oh, I don't know if you should do that or I don't know if that's the right thing. I live my life by faith, by following God, by obeying what he says whether men like it or not. not. Not that I'm trying to be obtrusive to man. Not that I'm trying to be a, a, an annoyance to other people. But I am not allowing the limitations nor the mediocrity of someone else's life to keep me from the great adventure of God's purpose for my life. So if you're a lukewarm believer and you feel like people who are truly sold out to God are just radically religious, you need to wake up and understand the problem is not them, but it is you. Because it was Jesus who said, I would rather you be hot or cold than to be lukewarm and if you're lukewarm I will spew you out of my mouth come on somebody we need to get an understanding of who God is and what he wants to do with our lives he can do things that we can't even comprehend or even imagine you know 
as a dad, I can tell you that I've not always gotten it right. Man, there have been times I've gotten it right. I was looking through some pictures uh, the other day of, of my, my life with my kids. And, and I got to tell you, I'm 52 years old, so now I'm into that grandparent stage. But I got to tell you the truth. I was, I was going through these pictures of Taylor's life and Sydney's life and then how Connor came into our lives and how we had little Lindley and just watching these things as they grow up. I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I, I teared up. I cried because the time I was looking at these pictures, I was having memories. I was having these memories of, of, of what our life has been. And I've got to tell you, we've been so blessed. Uh, we've had problems, we've had issues, we've not been perfect, we've gone through struggles that, that happen inside our family and outside our family. But the truth is, the honest truth is this, that we've been blessed. And I think most of us could say that. My kids are a blessing to my life, and, and, my, and, and God has been good to me. And you know, there have been times I've done real good. Like I was looking through times of my daughter's graduations and how they graduated high school and, and then one has graduated college and another one is about to graduate college. And, 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 and I look at the different award ceremonies that we went to and the different games that we went to and the different um, uh, choir things that we went to. And, and I looked at the times that my daughters were leading in church and I looked through pictures where we were in Africa or Asia together, building the church, growing the church. And, and, and I remember times where, where, uh, you know, I was that inspiring voice. And then I also remember times that I was the person in the way and I was not right. And I was controlling or manipulative. And I, I remember times where, where I got it right. And it was that inspiring dad. And I remember times where I was not inspiring at all. And, and, and so we live those things, but we have to understand, dads, I want to say this to you particularly, the best thing you could do, here's what I know about myself, and I think it's the thing that's helped my kids more than anything. I haven't been the perfect dad, and I've got lots of flaws. Believe me, ask them, they'll tell you. But I will tell you this, in my spiritual life, in my growth life, in my learning life, in my leadership life, I have been consistently intentional. I have not lived a life that's wavering and all over the place. I have not lived a life that wasn't lived on purpose. I found out years ago when I was a young man that we can either let life happen to us or we can happen to life. And I made a decision a long time ago that I was going to let God empower me and anoint me and I was going to happen to life. I wasn't going to wait on the devil to beat me down. I'm going after his kingdom. I'm not, I'm not waiting for things to happen to me. I'm going to live my life. And if things happen, I'm going to depend on God. I'm going to trust God. He's going to get me through and we're going to keep living. I, I just made up my life, my mind that that's what I was going to do. I was going to live consistently intentional. And I can tell you right now, even though I've been imperfect, even though at times I've been overly angry, even, even at times I have been ill-equipped to handle the problems that were brought to me. I'm going to tell you right now, my girls are stable. My girls are consistent. My girls follow God, not because I do, but because they they do because of one reason. Janae and I are consistently intentional and we will always be that way. And we have been that way as long as I can remember, at least as long as we've had kids. I, I, I've done some silly things though. You know, but both of my kids, I, 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 I've, you know, I've done some really great things. Like one of the best things was 
not telling them about what God is doing in Africa or God is doing in Asia, but actually taking them to show them one of the greatest things I ever did. Why? Because it exposed them to a greater world and it inspired them to live their life for God, making a difference in the world. But then there are other things like going to theme parks and doing stupid things like convincing Sydney that she had to ride this certain ride. And I knew she was scared. And I was that dad. I was that horrible, horrible dad that chose that day to get the fear out of my daughter. I was going to beat the fear back. And I said, baby, you can do it. And we stood in line for 45 minutes. You can do it. And there were moments where she's like, oh, I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm like, baby, you can do it. You can do it. And I know I don't think I'm going to do it. And we just stayed on and stayed on until finally we got up there. And she said, all right, I'm ready. And it was a ride called the powder keg. Now, that in and of itself should tell you this is a stupid thing to get your fear out on. I mean, this is too much. This was over the top. I don't know. The fastest roller coaster on the grounds, and it takes off faster than most roller coasters in the world. And I'm like, oh, when I got there and I sat down and she put her arm in my arm and we put the holds down on us, I thought to myself, this was a mistake. And all of a sudden, you could feel the pressure building behind the roller coaster and the steam building up and the, and the hydraulics. And all of a sudden it was like, boom, and we shot out of there. And somehow she put her head down on my shoulder because she was so scared and her eyes were closed that she was like, daddy, get me off this, daddy, get me off this, daddy, get me off this. And then she couldn't lift her head up because of the centrifugal force. And she was literally head down, duck, dad, get me off. And I was like, don't worry, baby, it'll be over in a minute. You know, sometimes we as dads, we think that we're doing the right thing, but we're really just doing it in a wrong way. But you know what I found to be true? I found to be true that when your intentions are good, even though sometimes you make a mistake about how you do it, if you're consistently intentional, it'll work out for your good. It'll work out for your kids. Your kids will understand. Now Sydney will ride anything. But boy, she wasn't happy with me after that. And neither was my wife, Janae. She wasn't also not happy. <laughs> so there's a lesson for you guys. So I want to look at the first part of this second chapter, and I just want to continue to take some things from Nehemiah's life and his story that can help us. And I'm speaking to everyone, obviously, but especially to dads today. And I want to continue to talk to you about this idea of consistent intentionality. You know, consistency is a powerful thing, and the more consistent we are, the better we are at being consistent. A consistency is a discipline. It, it means that we don't allow ourselves to be moved. You know, the Bible says that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In other words, if we're double-minded, if we're not singular focused, if we're not uh, consistently intentional, then we get all over the place. And our life is just a big amalgam of, you know, just messes, really. And what we have to do is learn that we have more authority in life than we realize. Especially as a believer, you've been given the authority of, of God through his word by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we need to operate and function in that and, and stop letting life just have its way with us or stop letting the enemy have his way with us or stop letting circumstances have their way with us. But to know, stand up in our faith. 
and say, no, I know what my life is about. And I'm not living my life just for the purpose of my four and no more. And I'm not living my life just for the purpose of going through the motions. No, I'm living my life on purpose for God. God, how do you want to use me today? What is it you could do in my life and through my life today? And today I'm going to get up and intentionally I'm going to shine your light. And intentionally I'm going to lead my family. And intentionally I'm going to grow spiritually. And intentionally I'm going to decide that there are other things that I am caught up in and distracted by that are far less important than you. And I'm going to set those to the side and focus on you. And Lord, when I get involved in things that are just fine for me to be doing, but I find that I get too much time in those and less and less time with you, I'm going to readjust my priorities and get my life lined out to be exactly what you want it to be. I heard somebody say something this week and I requoted it and I think it's so true. It's an anonymous quote, but it says, the, the, don't stop blaming the distraction for your distractedness. If you're distracted, that's a choice you made. Just because that certain distraction is what you're distracted by doesn't mean it's at fault. You're at fault for choosing to be distracted. You get to make that choice. I get to make that choice. So we find here this secular leader this man who loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, loves his people, loves where he came from, and knows it's in a bad way, he was consistently intentional. The reason I know this is because when the, the, the king Artaxerxes saw that Nehemiah was sad and upset, he said this, he said, I've never seen you like this. Now, interesting, you know that Nehemiah had bad days. Come on, he's just like everybody else. You know he had bad days. You know there were days he felt sad. You know there were days where he would longed for the freedom that his people used to have. You know there were days that he didn't want to go in and serve the king. He's human like you, and if you sometimes don't want to do what you have to do every day, you know he felt the same way. But isn't it interesting that the king never saw that on his face? That the king never saw him down or embittered the king never saw him uh, disconnected the king never saw him in that way at all the king only saw him uh, uh, empowered the king only saw him ready to do his job the king only saw him as a person who was uh, uh, upbeat and had a good attitude now I'm not saying fake it or anything like that or pretend but I am saying that sometimes in, a, in our culture especially we've become so moved by our emotion that it ain't hard to tell by looking at anybody's face how they're doing and, and sometimes we need to suck it up as they say buttercup and quit complaining all all the time and griping all the time. I don't want to be known for the, as that person. I, I just find it so funny around here. I love, I love the people of this place, but we get in such a habit of talking about the weather because the weather is so important to what we do. And it has been astonishing to me, and I've just been waiting on the other shoe to drop, and it happened the other day. You know, around here, we're always thankful for water. If it rains, we are thankful. I don't care if it messed up an event we were going to. I don't care if it, it seemed to get in the way. It's raining. We need it. We want it. But as much as it has rained lately, I finally heard somebody said, Lord Jesus, I wish it would stop raining. And I thought to myself, it don't matter. It don't matter what happens. Somebody is going to complain about it. If it's too cold, well, I can't, it's just, I can't bear it. But then I, I can't wait for summer to get here. And then summer comes, it's like, oh, it's so hot. What is wrong with us that we find ourselves 
light with bad attitudes like this. He was so consistent in the way he viewed life, in the way he approached life. He was intentional. He was purposeful. It was amazing. So one of the things that I would like for you to take, and, and on your notes it says point four because this is left over from the previous message. It says this, favor is a result of integrity and consistency. The king was ready to help Nehemiah with his project because of who Nehemiah was and how he related to him. He was consistent. He never complained. He had never seen him discouraged or depressed. Now think about that. For a moment, I want to just share something with you, though. I want to share something with you. I want you to understand. I said that the king gave uh, uh, Nehemiah what he wanted because of his consistency. But that's a misstatement. The truth is the king gave Nehemiah what he wanted because the gracious hand of God was upon him. But can I just tell you this? The gracious hand of God was upon Nehemiah because of his consistent intentionality. He was consistently obedient to God. He was consistently trustworthy to God. God said, I can use Nehemiah because he's always available. He's always willing. He's always obedient. He's a godly man who seeks me first, loves me first, puts me first. You know, opportunity for change comes as a direct result of our mouths and our lives aligning and doing that consistently over time. Our motives and actions matter. If we never add value, if we never make emotional investments and deposits into the life of others, we are blocking our future favor. I want you to hear that. You're blocking the opportunities in your future when we aren't consistently intentional about purpose in our lives. When, when, when we don't invest in others, when we don't love others, when we don't reach out to others, we're getting in our own way from what God wants to do. Uh, the, the fifth thing I would want you to take from this uh, passage of Scripture is that Nehemiah said before he answered the king's question, he prayed. So the king asked him, what, what is it you want, Nehemiah, like we talked last week? And Nehemiah said, I prayed. Now, what that means is right then, right there in that moment, I don't know if it was in his mind or in his heart, but before he answered the king with what he wanted, he prayed. And we know that up to this point, he had been praying and fasting for four months before he even let it get to this point where the king would ask him what he wanted. He always prayed. Listen, I got to tell you, praying is powerful. Prayer is an important component of our relationship with God. I can't even begin to stress to you how important prayer is. I can tell you this, your life uh, will be far greater spiritually if you pray. I can tell you, you'll overcome temptation if you pray. I'll tell you, you'll get through circumstances that are negative if you pray. I'll tell you, you'll have a perspective that'll be more victorious and more uh, uh, positive if you pray. Prayer is doing something. I've heard people say, you go ahead and pray, I'll go ahead and do something about the situation. But if, if a person says that, listen, they miss the fact of what prayer is. They don't even understand how prayer works because prayer is doing something. 
Uh, prayer is the most important thing you can do. Matter of fact, prayer should be the first thing we do, not the last thing we do. We got this horrible habit of trying to do everything else and then finally going to God about what we're struggling with or what we're dealing with. Can I tell you, it's important for us to go first to God if for no other reason than we can get clear direction on what questions we should be asking and what steps of action we should be taking. If you really understand prayer, then you understand it is doing something. It is the one something you should be doing, and it is the best thing you can possibly do. If you want to know more about prayer, we've done series on prayer, and you can go back and look through our podcast, go back and look through the website, and you can find whole series on prayer. You need to learn to pray effectively, and God will show up when we learn how to pray. The sixth thing I'd like for you to take out of this uh, 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 scripture is this. Nehemiah didn't say, let me go to Jerusalem. He said, send me. Now, it's interesting that he would say, send me. Uh, the king uh, asked him if what he wanted to do, and he said, I want you to send me to Jerusalem. In other words, what he was trying to do is he was trying to get buy-in from the king. You know, the king, Artaxerxes, he was the leader of this big kingdom. And he had control over what happened in Jerusalem or didn't happen in Jerusalem. So in a way, uh, Nehemiah was indicting him uh, because nothing had been done and the walls were broken down and the gates were burned. And, and so he asked him, send me. In other words, he was saying, King, I don't want to just go. I don't want to just go and do this. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be invested in this. Uh, men, listen to me. We need to get that thing where we stop just going and doing something. But we go to our king, King Jesus, our king, God, Jehovah. And we say, God, don't let me just go. Send me. There was a time where uh, God told Moses, uh, Joshua, he said, I'm not... I'm not going to be with you tangibly as you go up because of the different things that have happened and the disobedience, but you go ahead and go and I'll be here available to you. And Joshua said, I'm not taking one step forward unless you go with me. Uh, it's time that we as men of God, we as women of God, we as people of God, stop just going and doing and start asking God, God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And our lives be in the middle and the center of the will of God. Isn't it that scripture in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 that says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be the proof of what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. So the whole point is transform your mind get away from the world start living according to the word for what purpose to do the will of God have we forgotten about the wonderful magnanimous magnificent purposeful will of God and God doesn't want to break your will so you'll honor his will God wants you to take your will and submit your will to his will and just say God this is what I want but it's not about what I want it's about what you want because I am crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ 
Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. If God gave himself for you, you can live yourself for him. We need to stop just going and be sent. In other words, he wanted buy-in from the king. He wanted the king to be in on this. It's not just about us and about what God is using us to do. It's about everyone we can possibly get joining in with us to accomplish this. Listen, the world, that's why our culture is broken down. That's why the walls of our values in this country are broken down. That's why immorality is reigning supreme across our land. That's why injustice and and prejudice and hatred and division is allowed to just run rampant. It's why... But that's why people are trying to use prejudice and discrimination to defeat discrimination. People trying to use hate to defeat hate. It's all just a mess. It's broken down. And why is it broken down? Because the world has no problem trying to involve everyone in the debauchery that it tries to, uh, uh, to implement. It has no problem trying to convince everyone that their ideology is the right ideology. But the church somehow has set itself to the side and said, what we know and what we know, what we believe and what we stand on and the values of the word of God are somehow not wanted nor warranted. And I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time for us to stand up and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is today. And it's not later. It's not next generation. It's not, I hope our kids do it. Our kids won't even be able to do it if we don't do it now. Come on, it's time, men, for you to start serving in the children's ministry. It's time, men, for you to start serving in the youth ministry. It's time, men, for you to start outreaching to kids in your neighborhood it's time men for you to stand up and say i'm not just going to be a dad to my four no more i'm going to be a spiritual dad to everybody i come in contact with because i want everybody to be in on what god's doing and god is doing something seventh thing is this he said so i set a time i set a time if god said yes would you be ready you know, this is why I say consistently intentional. He lived life on purpose. He intentional. He was organized about it. He wasn't just living life, whatever happens, happens. Let's just go through the motions. Let's just get our kids together, do the activity, have fun, grow up together. Hopefully, I'll still know my spouse after my kids grow up and go out, and we'll have a good retirement together, and then we'll die and hopefully go to heaven. That is not the meaning of life. I know it sounds great, but it's not. I mean, there's more to you than that. You, we've just bought into this idea that that's life. There's so much more to life. The difference you could make, the influence you could have for the purpose of God and the kingdom of God. If God said yes, would you be ready? If God said yes, I'm going to do this in your life, would you be ready? I'll never forget this story I heard about a pastor friend of mine who, who was really coming up in ministry, and he started in children's ministry. It's a great one of the premier children's ministers before it was all over. And he, he just started thinking there's really no good children's curriculum out there, and so I'm going to build some children's curriculum, curriculum for churches. And, and so he started the building process, but then he kind of got stuck and stopped because he started worrying about the publication process, the producing process. And so he started looking around for people to publish his curriculum and people to produce his curriculum and, and and as he started working on that he just got one door after another closed in his face and he couldn't seem to figure out what was going to happen and he got discouraged and down and he was praying one day praying and and, and the lord spoke to his spirit and he said 
are you ready to be published? And he said, uh, well, no, Lord. He said, if, if someone came to you today and say, I'm ready to start publishing your curriculum, is your curriculum ready? And he said, no, it's not ready. And he said, then I want you to stop worrying about publishing it or producing it. I want you to go finish it. And, and, he, and so that's what he did. He went and he finished. He got intentional. He got purposeful. He quit worrying about all those other things. And he finished the curriculum. And the day he finished the curriculum, he got a phone call from a publisher who said, we want to take your curriculum and publish it to the world. See, that's where we need to be. We need to be those kind of people who are so intentional, who are so purposeful that if God was to say, all right, I'm ready to do this thing in you right now today. Would you be ready? Have you been preparing those hard things you went through, those difficult circumstances? Have you been letting them train you and develop you? Or have you just thrown your hands up and say, I don't know why I'm going through this. Have you been walking in your faith? Have you been growing? Have you been studying the word, seeking his face where the will of God could be manifest in and through you? Listen, let me tell you something. It's the most exciting life there is. But the question is, if God wants to do something great in your life, are you even ready? ready for him to do it. The way to get ready is to be consistently intentional about your spiritual walk. The eighth thing is this, and I'm getting close to the end. He had a strategy to get it done and he asked the king to help. He had a strategy. So, so here's the deal. We live out the purpose of God, repenting, rebuilding, and restoring our society and culture. It has to be intentional. We have to do this on purpose. It's not going to accidentally happen. We have to look and prepare for opportunities to help the next generation. We have to look and prepare for opportunities to mentor and to serve, to come alongside, to be a shining light, to declare the truth. Then when the opportunity arises, we'll be ready. Don't wait on God to open the door if you're not ready to walk through it. Get ready to walk through it and then you're going to start seeing doors thrown open to you. Can, can I just tell you something? God wants to use you. I, I know that you hear me. You hear this theme keep coming up about the young generation and kids to come and generations to come. It's because God has started in my heart. The, the world is fighting hard to steal this generation. These are not the world's kids. These kids do not belong to the devil. They belong to Jesus and he wants them and they're lost. They're lost and he wants us to find them and we cannot casually be Christian and said and go, well, I hope it all works out. No, we are the working out of it. We are the tools in the hands of God to do what needs to be done. The next thing and the last thing I want you to learn from this A part of chapter two, Nehemiah was ready for the obstacles he would face. He was ready for the obstacles. You're going to see as we continue to go through this series that there are always obstacles. Don't think that when we start praying, and we are. Don't think that when we start fasting, and we are. Don't think that when we start seeking the Lord and moving to new levels and new heights in our spiritual walk, and we are. Don't think that there's not going to be somebody standing in the way not wanting us to reach this young generation, not wanting us to fulfill the purpose of God. Now, you're going to have people that call you radical. You're going to have friends that say, well, I don't know if I want to hang out. You're going to stop getting invited to certain barbecues with certain people because they call themselves Christians, but you are really committed to Christ. And the question will be then, which way will we go? Nehemiah was ready for the obstacles that he would face. And here's what you have to remember. 
It's not about the people who don't get you. It's not about the people who even resist you. It's about the spirit behind it. It's about the enemy. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in dark places. The rulers of the darkness of this age. That's who we're wrestling with. And we can only win that match through spiritual things. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down in imaginations and bringing every thought that's in disobedience to God under subjection to Him. That is how this works. That is how we win. Listen, we need to be thought leaders. We need to be spiritual leaders. Because always remember this, when someone is profiting from the problem, they will always be disturbed, angry, and aggravated by someone who wants to solve it. I'm going to say that again. You're always going to face obstacles because the devil is profiting from the problem. And he's going to be aggravated and disturbed by your need and desire to solve it. Listen, we ain't coming down from the wall. We are going to keep rebuilding and we're going to keep restoring. Because that is what God has called us to do. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to bless it. We ask you to help us to be everything you want us to be. Let us be inspired. Let us be anointed. Let us be devoted. Let us be committed. Let us be like Nehemiah. And Lord, I pray that especially for dads today. Consistently intentional consistently intentional getting up every morning with purpose living our lives with purpose tiring of the fact that life is acting on us and beginning to act on life under the unction of your holy spirit and the authority of your word and we thank you and we give you glory in jesus name amen